Good Monday morning, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us from our downtown Charlottesville studio here, a show presented by Yes Realty Partners. In a matter of minutes, we're going to break some news on Real Talk with Keith Smith, another fantastic restaurant in the mix and this fantastic ecosystem we call Charlottesville, Almora County, and Central Virginia. Keith Smith, the star of our program, he put a cast of characters together on a, mo- on a Monday in the fall here in Charlottesville. Judah Wickhauer, our director, first, my friend, let's welcome Keith to the program on a two-shot. Then we'll go studio camera and a three-shot. Keith, it's just you and me on camera right now. How are you, my friend? You know, if I was doing any better, I'd be him. That's well, how- we should go to the studio <laughs> camera now. There you go. So we can tell who he's talking about. That's Johnny Ornalis in the house. Good morning, ladies and gents. How are you, Johnny Ornalis? Uh, doing pretty good, my friend. Um, we're going br- to break some news here in a matter of moments. Before we do, Johnny, introduce yourself to everyone that's watching the program. Uh, John Ornelas, uh here native to Charlottesville since 1988. Uh, we've been uh, fortunate to, to have Charlottesville uh, take us in. Uh, my parents, we came here in 1988. We opened up... Uh, Guadalajara Mexican restaurant with a bunch of other family members, and uh, we've been successful here in the area. And uh, we just just keep moving on. I got uh, my wife, uh, teacher of Alamo County Schools, three children, one at PVCC. He's almost 21 here in January, and then my two little ones that keep us busy all day long. <laughs> <laughs> How young are the little ones? Uh, six and four. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. So, you know, Johnny, I've been looking forward to this for a while. For first and foremost, thank you for bringing me into your family. Uh, you know, I, I was trying to remember when we actually first met. Jerry kind of jumped, jumped in it. And, you know, I'm a guy who cannot even yeah. remember if I had breakfast this morning, <laughs> nevertheless, what I ate. But, hey, when did we first meet? I think we first met when we were looking for the location for El Mariachi. Yeah, so how many years ago was that? Four. So we'll kick off with that. So you guys went ahead, you and Steven went ahead and reached out to me, and we kind of helped you put something together in, in El Mariachi in uh, Zion's Crossroads. And thank you, because you're sponsoring the, sh- the weekly, the monthly show we're going to be doing that's going to be focusing on uh, the Hispanic uh, buyer and seller. And we're going to yeah. talk about that a little bit sure. later. But tell us a little bit how things are going with El Mariachi, because you guys are rocking it, right? Yeah. You I guys mean, are crushing staying, we're, we're staying steady out there. You know, Zion's Crossroads, that's been a potential for quite some time. My dad was, uh, he lives out that way. And he saw potential in the area, so uh, he's been scouting the area for many, many years. And you know, about four, four, four and a half years ago, uh, we finally decided to pull the trigger. Uh, my brother Steve, he's the one that led the the charge, and uh, I believe we met with you, and it was Dan Conquest that were doing the search. And That's then, right. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah he, so that was that was a you know a, a you know a, a big risk, right? You yes. got you guys took because four years ago was just before COVID. Yeah. Right, four years ago, you know, Zion's Crossroads was kind of shifting. You kind of reached out and asked me where you should be, and like that's where I felt we needed to be to go ahead and the growth. And I think the proof is in the pudding because yeah. I was trying to stop in the other day to get dinner. I was driving, you and I were driving home from Richmond, and there was a line at the door, and I went, I love them, but I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, uh, the Chris Henry group helped us out out there. I recall that, and uh, and you were, uh, you know. 
nose to the grindstone out there for us and helped us out with a lot. Just don't of tell anybody I actually work. People going to people going <laughs> to ex expect it. But we've got some great news forward because we just wrapped up something literally on Friday. This is this is a real waiting to happen. Mark so, this timestamp here, Gina yeah. Wickhouse. So, so we 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 have well, I have uh, a new endeavor that I have taken. Um, Quad has been uh, my life here in in, uh, in Charlottesville uh, through my parents and and family members and uh, mariachi was a step you know into that next next part of our life as family you know parents and brothers and now it feels like I could take this next step uh, we are going to be opening a new restaurant in uh, West Main Street uh, uh, right at the Flats building and uh, this one's actually going to be more more me so I'm going to touch more on what, who I am and what I like and what Charlottesville's turned me into as well. So we're going to, uh, this one's going to be uh, Mexicali, um, and we're going to do a California-style based restaurant, California and international. Um, as we know here in Charlottesville, there's a large amount of people, and we got friends from Venezuela, Honduras, Salvador, and then we also have our local friends. So this one's going to be more of a community restaurant as well. So we're going to I'm going to dig down and do our, you know, our tacos, more traditional California style items that we do. Um, and then I also have a great person that has joined me is uh, River Hawkins. So he is going to be a big person that's going to be let loose We'll see how far. But <laughs> I love you, River. Uh, and uh, he's going to help us with the bar and the uh, decor. So, um, and then as far as community base, I have talked, and I feel that you know Charlottesville has helped us with the community and the people around us, just like Keith and Jerry, and how Virgil and Candace are starting to try to help us out. Here and uh, so I have pulled different contacts here. Uh, uh, the family with arepas on wheels is going to be joining us, doing a, a certain dish that we're going to be able to uh, provide at the restaurant that's going to be coming from them. Um, I've talked to Vision Barbecue to have some items that they can bring in and we can use at the restaurant. Dino's Pizza, Inca Grill. Um, I've got other people in line, so I want to bring those businesses and incorporate them into my business and showcase them in my business, not just take the credit for it. And I feel that that way we can draw our community together and have a successful restaurant and also, you know, have the community have a taste of everything that we can do in that location. That's breaking news right there on Real Talk with Keith Smith. Johnny Ornalis um, just broke news. He's opening in the old World of Beer location. Uh, Mexicali, the name of the restaurant, a California-style and international-style restaurant. Um, it's going to have traditional California-style ta uh, tacos. River Hawkins of the Bebedero is yep. going to be involved with the bar scene. He has one of the best outdoor patios in the city oh, of Charlottesville. He has tents. I'll say, I'll conservatively put it this way, thousands of foot traffic potential patrons within spitting distance of this restaurant. He's going to be making his own tacos that he's going to outsource 
for purchase to not only other restaurants, yeah. but customers can purchase these tacos. And you should put in perspective, because we've had this conversation over a cocktail at Vivace. Put in perspective the making of the tacos and what goes into this, the equipment that you're yeah. buying here. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, one thing I left out. So we are going to be making our own tortillas there on site. Yeah, um, tortillas. We're, we're going to be having a, I'm purchasing a tortilla machine, which the purpose of it is going to be to make it for the restaurant. But I also want to do like your fresh daily tortilla. I want to integrate it with some of these local restaurants. There's a, there's a niche for it here. And it's not just local restaurants. It's everybody. So if you want to have a, a, you know, a party at your house and you want hot tortillas, you know, eventually you're going to be able to get it through Grubhub, DoorDash, or any of those sites. You order it. It comes in in a, in a container. It's going to be hot. You don't have to do anything else to it. You can go through and do your function at your house or your, or your wedding or anything. So we want to be able to deliver to some of these local restaurants that want that item to either integrate or use it as their new item for their restaurants. And uh, we hope that that part of the business will bring the community together and will actually expand and help the restaurant um, succeed. So I know two things. Yes. One, I'm going to eat really, really well. <laughs> and two, I'm going to have a really good cocktail. Yep. Uh, after that, you had me. So, well, you know. <laughs> I, I was down. To, but talk about this. Um, How do you spell the name of the restaurant? It's M E J I C A L I. There you go. That's being yeah. asked on the feed. Keep yeah. going, Keith. So a lot of questions. So here. talk about that, the, the 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 machine that you bought and how you're going to sell this to other things. It's much like the Marie Bet model, right, with the baguette. So if you go to restaurants, they have their baguette there. Is that kind yeah. of the vision? that would you Yeah, the vision is that, you know, I've talked to, like I said, I've talked to different people like Vision Barbecue and Dino's Pizza. and Because uh, it makes a difference, people. right? Yeah, it's going to make a big difference. And also they've also talked about integrating that product into their business. So it's, it's, it's something that, you know, we just started. We just, I mean, we, we, we're just going to pick up the keys. So that machine is, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not it's cheap. an investment. Yeah, it's a, it's a $10,000 machine. Right. On, on the, yeah. they, they go higher. But the, the, given the space, you know, that's what we're going to get. You know, in the future, you know, if the business grows in that, then, you know, we could open a, 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 a another sub area for the tortilla machine and actually do a production a higher production of tortilla for the area. comments are coming in very and fast right some here. of your some of your business model though is because you have all these students around here talk a little bit about that because we had a great conversation yeah. about how, how you were planning to serve yeah those. so the students you know they're at the flats and at the standard is across standard the street across the street and then and they're everywhere yeah so there's like three thousand students just You're within in the epicenter three right just here. in that area so, you know, we're, we're also planning on doing, like, uh, lobby delivery for that area. You know, the students are going to be studying, and they're going to be doing whatever they do during the course today. They can place their order online. They can get it in their lobby, you know. And then there, there is some other potential for the corner to bring in more business from there. Um, that's kind of we're trying to figure that out still uh, as far as getting people from the corner to our location in a safe manner so they won't have to walk. Um, we, you know, it is a bar. We are going to have live music. We are going to, we have the patio there. And what I plan to also do is do like a community get together. So like all these businesses that are, that are being a part of Mexicali, we're going to do like an event where they can come in 
and showcase their product to the community and to the students while they're enjoying, you know, a drink from a Hikali. So one of the things that excited me most about that space, and we talked about it when we toured it, is the outdoor it's patio. The outdoor patio. Um, I know El Mariachi, we have one, but that was a real struggle to get as much as yeah. we had because of the development plan over there. So talk about how, how do you see that changing the restaurant scene in that area? You know, in that area, I, I think once uh, we get going, you know, you're talking about live music outside, having events outside. I mean, that, that patio is 1,800 square feet. It's massive. It, it's huge. Yeah. And um, It's another restaurant. And the doors to the side of that building, I, we didn't even know, actually, Keith was the one that told me. They're actually accordion open. They're accordion doors. So, yep. I mean, you have that inside and outside space that you can merge together, you know. And they all set have, up with the heaters and everything out there, isn't yeah, there heaters out there? I believe there, there is. Yes, there's, there's uh, two fire pits already out there in yep. that area. There's a stage that's already hooked up for... Anybody just come in, set up, and plug in and play. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it, it's just the the. I know this location inside and out. You have parking under the building. There's parking. Yeah, there's nobody knows that there's yeah, fifty spots. Talk, there's right. fifty retail spots. There you go. In the parking garage, right on the side of that building. You know, years ago, me and my wife used to go, and the first time we went, we it's like we didn't know where to park. You know, everywhere in that area is restricted, but you have 50 spots in the there back. Is. You also have the lower parking area right there at uh, Amtrak Station. Now, it's just quickly with an app that you can... And, and it's a straight can, walk up right yes, up the set of stairs. Yes, straight walk right up now. set of stairs. And we're also looking into the parking spot in front of that, where it used to be Sweet Hoss, uh, the cupcake shop, yeah. possibly doing something in the evening. They don't use that in the evening, so possibly we could use that for capability of using parking at in the evening. Um, so the comments are coming in faster than I can keep up here. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to highlight some of the viewers and listeners that are giving Johnny Ornalis props. Stacy Parmenter, uh, watching the program. You're going to have to help me with her name. Maria Escalona, yes. watching the program. Brian McDonald. Carolina Medina, watching the program. Veronica Torres, giving them some props. Holly Foster is asking in Henrico, when is the grand opening date? Hold that answer right there. Vanessa Parkhills, watching the program, has a question for you. Miguel Cordine, watching the program. Cindy Calvin, watching the program. Ricardo Cruz Duran, watching the program. Miguel's giving you serious props right now. This question's coming from Spencer. Will the Bank of TV stay? For the restaurant. That's the second question. Here's a third question that's coming for Johnny Ornalis. Is the stage inside going to stay? The fourth question for Johnny Ornalis. What are we going to be doing for trivia in the restaurant? Because that was a big spot for Trivia World of Beer. So let me see if I can recap all these for you here. You got the Bank of TVs. You have Trivia. You have... I've already lost it. Indoor stage. Indoor stage. Indoor indoor stage. And what was the first one? That was, that, that oh, was the a grand team. opening. Oh, the grand, grand opening. opening. Why don't you start with grand opening? Yeah, so grand opening, uh, being we just were able to get into the building, we're, we're hoping it's going to be We're not quite there December. yet because your useless realtor hasn't given you the keys yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're looking December. December, late December. We're going to be, you know, River and I, we have to get in there and transform the place to make it funky and fun for everybody to come into. Uh, the bank of TVs, that's kind of back and forth. It's depending on what kind of vibe we get in there. Um, there is still some TVs in there. Um, we're probably going to keep the – there's a large screen TV in there. Um, we, we, we're trying to find that balance between keeping it family, student-friendly, and then local-friendly. We're, we're, I'm trying to, like I said, keep it keep as much community base in there. 
Um, yeah, the stage is going to stay inside. Uh, we're actually going to be modifying that area so there's more seating area around the stage area and also where we can remove at the seating area to have more of a kind of dance, light dance area there for whenever, you know, all, we can get DJs in there or um, any small bands in there, standing area in there. Uh, what was that one? That was it, brother. That was it. You, you got it. You got a grand opening <clears throat> TV. St- oh, trivia and trivia. Trivia. Oh yeah, we could probably get trivia in there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I uh, got. See why not. I know this this space inside and out. I personally have some questions, so we'll get to the viewers and listeners. Questions are coming in faster than I can keep up right now. Vanessa Parkell, I promise I'm going to ask your questions. Grayson, I promise I'm going to ask your questions right here. Jonathan, I promise I'm going to ask your questions as well. I want to highlight um, Nicholas Erpy watching the program. He's giving you some props. Local media watching the program. Kevin. Nancy in Waynesboro, Greenwood's in the hop, in the in the in the show right now. Um, the taps, World of Beer mm. was known for a boatload of taps right there. What's the plan for that bar? The and, and by taps I mean beer taps yeah, for the viewers and listeners. The, the beer taps we're we're gonna keep probably about a third of that. Damn, that's a lot though. Uh, it's still a lot, even yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're still that? under discussion. There's 80 taps in So that. you're going to have 20-some taps? Possibility. We're looking That's into... That's awesome. We're looking into maybe adding some, you know, wine taps in there, some mixed drink, like pre-mixed drink, you know, the, the house kind of concept on it. We're still playing with that idea. And then also the beers. You know, we kind of want to keep the traditional beers and also tap into some of these local places that you know like i said i'm trying to keep everybody together here i'm not trying to well, separate anybody augmenting that bar a little bit and where the stage is you yeah. have an opportunity now for more families to come in and sit down on that right now the current space is kind of limited yeah on that, it is right? limited so we on are the from the stage side we are reducing that bar slightly we're probably going to be lose about eight stools ten stools but i mean they're Right now, as it stands, there's about 40 stools in there. So It's got one hell of a kitchen, though. The kitchen is ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Vanessa Parkhill says, I appreciate the consideration in regards to parking. I'm going to emphasize this yet again. There's 50 spaces yeah. at the bottom of this building for parking, and oftentimes they are not taken. Furthermore, yeah. my wife and I frequently eat out at the restaurants in Midtown on West Main Street. Finding parking on West Main Street is not difficult at all. It is a myth the parking situation. I'll throw this to you. For me personally, any interest in turning it into like a soccer football, I'm talking soccer here, epicenter, because that seems to be lacking in the city since the closing of the Shabin. Yeah, it, it, it does lack. Um, we, like I said, we're planning on keeping some of the TVs in there. Um, we're going to probably do like we did at El Mariachi, Start feeling the flow of how everything's functioning, and uh, you know we could always add it in there. Uh, I don't have an issue. I mean, I like soccer. I mean, football. But it also could be like a time thing, right? Yeah, it also could be a time thing. You know, we might not. You know, getting off the ground, we might not have everything completely set up. My focus is on the food and getting the food right for everybody, Um, because, like I said, it is me. We're going to have these, you know, home style salsas there that I'm going to be very particular about the tortillas as well because we're going to be investing in this large machine that you know we have to have that stuff on point and all the marinades and everything that have to be correct so and River is going to be handling the drinks so the other items as far as TVs and what we're going to be showing on them and trivia 
you know, if we get more flow in there, asking for that stuff, I don't have an issue with putting it in there. You know, just like the outside. I mean, I I, I wouldn't mind having like a, a kid, you know, once a month kid weekend for the on the patio for you know have families coming in, have somewhere to go. They can walk up and down West Main, and you know they can have a fun day. At, you know. That's like a perfect transition on West Main Street, you know, yeah. as far as between the between the university and, He's the, midtown. and the mall. That's the midpoint of Midtown. That, that is li- Midtown. Literally, yeah. I call it the Bermuda Triangle because it's just like everybody kind of stays in there or stays away from there. I, 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 with you opening this restaurant, I don't think it's going to be the Bermuda Triangle for long. No. Because no, I think no. this man is going to complement Continental Divide, Maya. He's going to complement... Um, you got Guajiro's there too. Gua- yeah, help me with the restaurants on Midtown. I mean, it's a fantastic stretch. Yeah, Guajiro's, Continental Divide, Maya, uh, Black Cow Chop Barco. House. Yep. Um, you got Publix. Publix. Yeah, Publix. You the got, Fish and Oyster. Yep. Dan Kaufman. The, is it Tavern or Oakart? Oakart. Oakart's next to that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, the one that's just changed the name. What's the one that's next to Albemarle Bacon Company? They got Orzo. So pretty much from the one that used to be a station. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. It's, it, it's, of it's changed, just recently yeah. changed. But you're, you're kind of tying the two ends ends together. You're going to crush it. The, the, big th- the big thing is is getting out the myth about parking. I mean, there's 50 spots underneath there, uh, and then you can park over by the old Amtrak or by the Amtrak station and, and Yeah, I mean, now up. Amtrak's just an app. You just lo- you know, um, download the app and... Punching your time and you're set. You're ready to roll. Chris Smith giving them props. Javier Contreras giving them props. Evelyn Tejada giving them props right now. Show's on fire. Brian McDonald giving them props. Stacy saying she went to high school with Johnny Arnalis. We're having like a high school reunion right here on Real Talk with Keith Smith. Literally two media outlets watching the program right now. Kevin Yancey says, look at the local breweries. This is going to be fantastic. A rising tide is good for all ships. He says he loves your Fontaine Avenue location. Thank you. Um, This is big time news here before we welcome Candace and Virgil to the program here Johnny Ornalis put a bow on what you're doing here the who what when, where why one more time for the newest brand in the Ornalis family of restaurants yeah that you know again you know I go back to the beginning this is going to be more more me you know I was born in California um, I saw a little bit aspect of of the uh, culinary area out there you know, I went back after many years, and it's just like I never left. So I've been here since 88, but I'm still back in Cali. Um, and my parents, you know, they migrated to Cali. They worked their butts off there and then moved here and, uh, you know, started this big business. And uh, I can't do nothing but continue that. But the way I continue it is being me. So nothing against anybody else, but this is just being me and what's going to make me happy and what's going to make my family happy and hopefully what's going to make the community happy. So, uh, you know, this brand is, it's, it's, it's a lot of heart and uh, we're ecstatic about it. You know, this gentleman next to me has uh, pushed through for quite a few months in helping me get this along and I can't be none but grateful to have uh, you know two gentlemen here in front of me that uh, are going to be that have helped me and are going to be helping me because of course you know we can't do this right if we don't have EMB brands helping us along doing the branding and just helping us do things right. In the words of the late great 
Christopher Wallace, Biggie Smalls. I'm going back to Cali, Cali, Cali. Johnny yep. Ranales, Mary Cali. Johnny, just want to publicly say thank you for letting me help your family. It, it was an absolute honor and uh, many more to come. Oh, yeah. Many, many more, more to come. But thank, thank you very much. Uh, thank um, you, sir. You know, family matters and thank you very much for letting me help your family. Uh, I have a feeling the first uh, patrons of Mary Cali are going to be right here on this set. Uh, jumbo margaritas, tacos, burritos, um, desserts. Judah Wickhauer's got an appetite of uh, five men. I don't know how he's <laughs> never gains a damn pound. He doesn't gain any weight we whatsoever. Like he's going to be there as well. We don't like him. And tacos are a spirit animal right there. there we, we will go. support you. This man is the best. Thank you, Johnny Ronellis. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Johnny. I'll let you sneak out this yes, way. But let we'll me go to the up. studio camera there, Judah Wickhauer. Uh, that's the uh, breaking news right there on Real Talk with Keith Smith. Uh, the, the World of Beer location is now going to be a California-style and international-style restaurant. Um, River Hawkins will run the bar. Johnny Ornalis running the show. Uh, fresh tortillas. He's got a $10,000 tortilla machine he's purchased. Uh, he's going to be making tortillas day of. It's going to have one of the best outdoor patios in central Virginia. This is the family behind uh, El Mariachi and, and Guadalajara. This is Johnny's show to run. Um, I think he's going to crush it. I think he's absolutely going to crush it. Keith. And he's, um, his family has agreed to sponsor this next segment, which is going to be a recurring uh, monthly segment. We're going to be focusing on the Hispanic buyer and seller. Um, we're very lucky now to have two of my fellow board mates on NARWRAP, and we're going to let them introduce themselves and tell them a little bit about uh, NARWRAP, what it stands for, what we're trying to do, and hopefully, I see Virgil has all kinds of data in front of him. I Hopefully, we're going to go ahead and, and geek out on some data because I love data. But we're going to get, let ladies go first. So, Candace, please introduce oh, yourself. Thank you. Always, always such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Candace. I am uh, the owner of the Buy and Sell Seville Team Realtors with Remax Realty Specialist. And, um, yeah, NARAP, National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. It kind of rolls off the tongue now. Um, it is amazing the information and value that is coming to the Central Virginia area through this program. And I'm extremely blessed and pleased and happy to be a part of that. Um, yeah, I, I know we've talked about it before, but realistically, the, the opportunities, the education, and the creativity that we're bringing about to this area for um, people who may or may not be originally from the United States or, um, you know, the people that are of Latino background, um, there's, there's tons happening. So this is exciting to be able to be a part of it. Love to have you here. Virgil? Yeah, uh, first of all, thank you, Keith. Thank you, Jerry. And, and thank you, Johnny Ornelas and the Mariachi family for, for sponsoring this segment and, and for letting us uh, come here and uh, keep talking NAREP and, and what we're, we're doing and what we're, we're trying to accomplish uh, in, in the community for the, for the Latino community in, in Charlottesville. I think we're going to also close a deal here, and we're going to get back to this. Todd Rath of Blue Toad Hard Cider says, Johnny, contact him if you need to sell draft equipment. 
We're we're literally uh, doing a transaction right here. Yeah, a, a, a little bit, a, a little bit of hard cider on there would uh, would be good for Mister Smith. No, he's looking to buy some of your restaurant uh, equipment uh, uh, from the restaurant. <laughs> literally, he's trying to buy some of your restaurant equipment. All right, we'll go back to real estate here, Candace. The show is yours. You have a boatload of agents watching the program right now. Um, where do you want to begin here on this market? Where do you want to begin with all the uh, organizations that you are tied to? Show is yours. Oh, my goodness. That, that's an open book. Um, <laughs> um, honestly, so creativity is the word that comes to mind in this. Um, like this. You never know who you're going to meet, when you're going to meet. You have to be open and honest. Um, one of the things that hit me when Johnny was talking to, know those you trust and trust those you know. Um, because I find that, you know, I work with a majority of my clients become great friends and family um, as we, we put ourselves and our effort into what we're doing and helping people. So, you know, being creative, um, everybody's in this market together. Everybody's unsure of, of where to go or what to do. So ask those questions. So many times I have clients that are like, oh, well, I just need to get back to you. No, no, no. Ask me that question because the unasked question is never answered. Um, so I think as a realtor and as a person who is always actively looking to help somebody, you know, oh, you need a good restaurant? I know where to go. Um, you need a, you know, pest company? Call Stephanie. I need help She's with She's watching. <laughs> I know. She's always watching. <laughs> um, you know, Neil, reaching out to these people that we know and trust and value, um, their resources and their, their education in their um, experience that's what we do also and that's why we're such a valuable asset to our clients but it's because we really love it I love what I do in helping people no matter if it's where to go to get dinner or where to go for financial information um, and wealth building NARAP kind of tying it back in their Hispanic Wealth Project so much information out there on it, and it's just exciting to get to do this. So that's a natural, natural segue into Virgil, and the question I want to ask Virgil, right? Sure. Hispanic consumers will account for 70% of all first-time home buyers over the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. So that's how large this buyer profile is increasing. Yeah. It's going to be 70% of it. So talk about why is that and how can NARAP and how can we as real estate professionals help the Hispanic community achieve this awesome goal yeah. of being 70%? Yeah, I, I think the... One of the things that they're talking about a lot is age right now. Um, hey, I'm sitting right here. Yeah, sorry, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I don't know the exact figure, but the, the, the age for, you know, new time, first time home buyers is, you know, around the 30s, early 30s. Yeah, it's growing. You know, and it's growing. Um, Hispanics are right there. So the average age for Hispanics uh, is 30 years old, where the non-Hispanic counterparts are at 38. So uh, we're, we're younger, and we're, we're ready to buy, and um, we're leading the, the charge in that regard. So I think that's one of the main reasons why we might be the leading group purchasing homes in, in the years to come. And not only homes, like purchasing businesses, purchasing financial assets. I think the, there's a, a very big opportunity to be linked with the Latino cohort right now because we're just getting started and I think it's a it's not just hey let's you know be together for the just to be together and and support diversity it's there's an opportunity to grow the economy 
by growing the Latino community um, everywhere. Yeah. So, 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 Candice, you know, back to the second half of that is how can NARAP and how can we as real estate professionals help achieve that goal, right? We, there's 72 million millennials. That's just this 30-some-odd-plus range that, that are in the buyer's market right now. Oh, by the way, boomers is about the same number, and we're kind of fading off, and you guys are, are picking up. So how can we help navigate that? And it's been my experience with the Hispanic buyer, they are concerned a little bit about interest rates, but not really. And they tend to bring a lot of cash and multi-generational families. So there's a lot to unpack there, but jump in there and in each version, yeah. whichever version you want to yes. tackle. So I'm, of course, all accurate. One of the things that hits me is, again, education. I am like, uh, you know, let's geek out on some education. And the best place to get education is through um, asking questions and and um, talking to people with the experience, right? So we've got a wealth of experience here. One of the drivers of wealth in the NARAP, one of the NARAP um, wealth management things is home ownership. And this is pretty interesting. So there's home ownership, there's business ownership, and then there's financial assets. Those are kind of the three pillars that we kind of look at. In general, I think anybody looking, you know, no matter what age they are, there's education, there's either going right to work, there's buying, a, you know, owning a business, there's owning a home, and then there's this way to, to diversify into different financial assets, right? So education, um, one of the things, home ownership versus renting, it's 27 times the, uh, the drivers of net wealth. I mean, that's incredible. Um, business ownership is five times, and different vi- diversity in financial assets and non-cash assets is 10%, but 27.4% times the wealth management that you can get through home ownership versus by renting. So it's, it's interesting. I have found, and my dear friend is sitting offset to, to my left here, that the Hispanic community gets that. Mm-hmm. And they get it very quickly yeah. that home ownership is the quickest path towards independent, financial independence and your 27.4 number kind yeah. of kind of proves that and to sorry to add to what uh, Candace is saying on the education portion of it um, that's where it really starts yeah. and especially since we're a younger population I think there should be a big push in our community to get the late teens the early 20 year olds to go and, and, and to, to get a degree to, to, to get educated because um, a report came out that the Latinos with a degree are making 79.5% more money than those without. Or they're, they're making, yeah, 79.5% more Like their income is almost 80. Significantly more. Significantly more. And yeah. there's a lot of talk right now how, you know, the, the, the whole college life is very expensive. You know, is it even worth the whole getting a loan, all this stuff? At least for right now, the Latino population, it is still very worthwhile. And if you start, because they live at home, usually yeah. when they go, so they can afford it a little bit, little bit, little bit more. Exactly. There's, There's a lot of financial um, from even the government that supports uh, Hispanics going to school. I mean, me personally, I had a lot of because my mom earned below the medium income for our city. Like I, I this is the way I grew up. I was able to uh, lean on some of those government programs and funding got me through college. And I feel like. That is the first step to get this younger generation to keep moving, moving forward to making more money to probably buying homes and getting to that part. We should highlight um, what's happening here. Mi madre es cubana, 
Um, So Mima and Poppy came from Cuba when my mom was in the third grade, and Mm -hmm. they went from an upper middle-class lifestyle in Cuba before Castro took Mm -hmm. over and implemented a communist dictatorship in Cuba Mm -hmm. to coming to Miami, hotel uh, made my grandma, and ditch digger my grandfather. And Mm -hmm. my mom was put in an English-speaking school without being able to speak English in the Mm -hmm. third grade. And I saw firsthand um, how that next generation really started emphasizing um, financial practices that created wealth for the family. Mm-hmm. We should highlight this. What's happening in the Hispanic community is the first generation that came here was fantastic at working hard, building wealth, but may have not had the Americanized ways of taking the wealth that was built through hard work and compounding that wealth and truly growing it. Mm-hmm. That next generation that was growing up in American schools, speaking bilingually, mm-hmm. and often the translators for the parents, mm-hmm. was learning the hard work while also picking up mm-hmm. the financial astute strategies to build and compound and grow generational wealth. Yeah. Virgil, I'd love to throw that to you. I saw that firsthand literally with my family, yeah. with my mom and what she provided for me yeah. and Poppy. Show us yours on that. Yeah, topic. no, absolutely. And I, 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 my parents came, we got to the U.S. when they were, I was seven, they were in their 30s. But it's that same mentality. All they know how to do is, is work. Yeah. Uh, my, work and save. Work and save, yeah. Um, and, and we're risk takers. We like, we're entrepreneurial. We like, and that's why we left Cuba in the first place. I'm, I'm originally from Cuba as well. Um, and we, we like to take risks because we like to push our families forward. And, and that's ingrained in us. Um, and in, in all of the Latino community, I feel like we like to push the envelope because we got out for a reason. We came here for a reason. And I think we're here to keep, uh, to keep growing. And I feel like that is an overwhelming majority of the Latino population thinks that way. And that's why we see that we're the leaders in growth in the United States. 13% of all businesses in the United States are owned by Hispanics. Yeah. Hispanics open up businesses at 1.7% times, excuse me, faster yeah. than non-Hispanics. And what Absolutely. do they do? They employ. Yeah. They put money back into the neighborhoods. They buy houses. They buy houses. Yeah. Maybe yeah. two houses, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is, that's exactly, you know, I wanted to jump in real quick because um, in, in light of being Americanized, right, we then have these, these um, comforts. I think, you know, the worst four-letter word that we can face is the word fear. Um, and there's so much scientific information and research out there. I'm not going to get down that rabbit hole. But... The fear is debilitating, and when people have have seen their families and their their uh, you know bita and you know their abuelitos or whatever they're they're working hard they're doing this and then now they're taking care of the grandkids. Well, the grandkids are not learning the, the those um, really strict work habits and those saving habits because they want to be afforded the niceties of the American style and this dream and this hope and this vision. Well, I, I, my biggest thing now and what I try to instill in my kids and my, my clients and my family, because most of my clients are not native to the state, to the America, and is that education. The, the, the taking away that fear, that it, the risk-reward proposition, the education and experience and the value of working hard and getting that back in, like Johnny was saying too, bring the family, bring the kids, bring everybody, and let's have this community of information and value proposition that, yes, I still want to work hard just like Grandma did. So 14% of all the sales in the United States, Hispanic sales in the United States, were multi-generational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and we've gotten 
gotten away from this. You know, uh, my ethnicity is mm-hmm. Irish and Italian. My mother's both sides. They were all, my mother and my father, all first generation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. On that end of it, same kind of concept. Yeah. You know, they came over, worked hard, yeah. and kind of moved and on. Saved, yeah. And, and, and saved, yeah. And saved on And now, like, my generation, um, millennials, the, the generation that came after those that got us here, they, like Jerry said, they saw the hard work. And now we learned, we went through the system that they didn't go through. We went to the college system. We went through the American system. Like, the, the white American is very wealthy for a reason, because they understand the system, and they've been understanding the system for a very long time. There it time. is. We should highlight this. You know, but we are just getting started in understanding this. And, and our population is growing. We're young. We're learning. And we're taking that, those hard work values, like Jerry said, and we're we're and now we're using the knowledge that we've all learned to to, to that's there and for our taking it. and multiply it. Yeah, and yeah. because that is tied to that work ethic that that Latino brings, that's why we're outpacing everybody else. Because now now we know it's not that difficult. And right? it goes back to, to Candace's point. <laughs> what well, it is about, difficult? It's about knowing. It's, it's extremely difficult. It's difficult. It's working your ass off. It, it, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're extremely <laughs> difficult. Yeah, yeah, we're okay yeah. with it. Yeah. That's totally what it is. That's, yeah. that's yeah. the difference. Yeah. Right? Poppy died with twenty thousand dollars. Beeman Poppy died with yeah. twenty thousand dollars total. Yeah. And when they died, they in their will is like ten thousand for Jeffrey, my brother, ten thousand for me, and could only be allocated for college tuition. But we I'm, could even take it without going. You yeah. get this money if you go to college, and it has to be used for college tuition. That's how much education was important to oh, them yeah. when they died. But, yeah. but I want to push back a little bit on that because we talk about this on the show. Not that much push back on education, but we talk about on the show all the time the lack of skilled labor, mm-hmm. right? With that, you know, my little brother. I call him doctor. He's yeah. a, he's he's a trim carpenter in Richmond and makes more than most doctors mm-hmm. make, right? So there is this huge vacuum, right? Mm-hmm. And we're in we're in the real estate space, right? And yeah. part of the problem with lack of inventory is regulatory requirements, yeah. so so on. But the other reality of it is there's nobody to work, yeah, right? So talk about that a little bit because you know college is not. You know, not for everybody. Sure. College isn't the. I mean, I, I didn't yeah. go to college, right? Yeah. So, um, my first, the first family member in my family in multiple generations yeah. ever to go to school was my youngest daughter. Sure. I think what Virgil younger. means in college, he means pursuing higher levels of education, certifications of some kind. That's it's what I, that's not where just I a four year school. That's what I wanted to, that's it, what it's, I wanted it's to get. It's to out. make more money because if we can put our, the younger generation in a position to make more money. For, in, for the most part, and, and college will do that for the, the majority of people, um, then they could be in a position to buy a home, to invest in a business later on, or at least the likelihood of getting that. Or at the very least, they'll have the, their education to go out and do something entrepreneurial will increase versus just coming out of high school, especially if the previous family never went to college or never went to high school. So I teach a certificate course mm-hmm. in the local community college, Blue Ridge PVCC haven't done it uh, actually since COVID, but prior to COVID, I did it quite often on it, and it was basically designed to to take a carpenter or electrician from a single person and grow their business. Mm-hmm. Every single person in that room yeah. was Hispanic. Yeah, wow. everything, and they want to say, okay, what do I need to do to grow my business? Mm-hmm. You know, simple things, understanding that you know how much does a fully labored burden rate yeah. cost, right? If I hire you, what is just simple basic business stuff. And um, brought their family members yeah. who spoke English because right. I can barely speak English myself mm-hmm. uh, on, on that. But um, I think I also want to like touch on that point of like 
yes, we do need a labor force, and I agree with you uh, 100% on that. And I think there's a lot of uh, technical, uh, um, technic like jobs, you know, mm -hmm. carpentry, mm -hmm. uh, things like that, that we need more of. Uh, but, I, you know, why do the Hispanics have to be on the forefront of that? I feel like we take a very small percentage of the general population in the United States. And it's the largest and like, portion of that. You know, no, like no. I, the, the, there could be more incentives for the non-Hispanics to also come into that labor force. So picture. do you know why? It's Jerry's exact point. You have to work your tush off. Yeah. And they well, will to, work. Virgil, go ahead. Candace is, Virgil's saying, and Candace, throw, throw it to you here. Any, anywhere you want to go, because I know you've got a take on this. It's important to change the stigma, and Mima yeah. and Poppy and my mom emphasized this to us. You don't have to, if you want to start a company, it doesn't have to be, and there's nothing wrong with this, but it doesn't have to be a, a blue-collar company that you can start. You can get into branding. You can be an attorney. You can get into medicine. You can get into finance. The world is your oyster as long as you take this ethic of working that we instilled in you and put it to wherever your passion lies. Mm -hmm. That's the point he's yeah, trying to make here. Absolutely. It can be in any level of work. Candace, yeah. anywhere you want to go here. Yeah. No, it, I mean, I love listening to you guys. I love being a part of this because I think in watching it, everyone watching like, yeah, you know, they have their own comments. Um, yeah, I, I'd say education, you know, some of the biggest points of education for me are understanding, obviously, your passion because if you're passionate about something, you're going to put more of your own effort and you can have that visualization um, and, and goal setting. And then the risk for that end goal is not as scary because it, you're really manifesting it, right? So for example, you know, I come from the restaurant industry originally. I come from construction and then the restaurant industry and then kind of merged the two to become a realtor to help people. But it, the education, and I love helping people with their own small business or their business needs. Mm -hmm. As Johnny could tell you as well, having employees, and you might be the best contractor ever, However, you can't physically do everything yourself, so you have to manage people. Well, you might not be a good manager. You know, how do you keep your employees happy? How do you keep your, you know, all businesses are all the same. I'm looking at my notes. But, you know, product in, goods and services rendered. Product in, product out. Clients or customers taken care of. Employees, needs, wants, and interests taken care of. And all at the same time, I love, you know, my, um, my, father-in-law Craig he was amazing and I learned so much from him through the years and I don't care what you gross what do you net because if you're oh, yeah. putting out this effort this energy and yeah. helping your employees and you have this wonderful team and now your business is sinking because all you're doing is helping other people well you also have to have the education experience and wherewithal to help yourself so that you can help other people and again I'm like looking at Johnny over there like yes in the restaurant world you really need a lot of hands but you also need to manage all of that um, so small business. So I want to jump in on that real, real quick. So um, you know, I, I thank Johnny before he came off from allowing me to help his family because that was really important to me. And and he's sitting off set, and 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 uh, I can go ahead and do this because he's not on set. But um, the trust he had in me to start because what we started off first was just not looking for a space we started off first with okay let's talk about how you're organized he let's met you through an online talk show right 
That's how you guys made a connection. <laughs> yeah. He saw you on a Facebook streaming platform and connected with you, and that's how the relationship started. We that's called serious trust. There, it's serious trust. But where it got even further than that was okay. I know we want to look at spaces. I know we want to do this, but let's look at how are we structured. How was your LLC structured? How was his ownership was going to do? And we started there first, setting up the business model of it. Then we said, okay, great. Now we've got the business model structured. Let's go and look. Am I right, right. Johnny? Yes, structure for success. And that's yeah. taking in, yes, homeownership. We want to own our home. Yay. However, I've been working in a place where I've been making cash tips and that money's not seasoned. I don't care about that. I like being able to buy my stuff and go and do. However, you want home ownership. Now we need to talk about how we're going to get you there. there you, go. you might You might have to start reporting more of your income and not be as comfortable for a while because your dream is bigger and and we need to and that's what realtors do and that's what NARAP is about that's what we're all about is helping people with their own vision and getting to their own goals that was a great take that was awesome right there thank you that was fantastic take right okay here's the toughest question for you guys yet we understand home ownership is a way to build wealth we're also at generationally low inventory levels we have a number of mortgage brokers watching the program. Depending on where you're shopping, we're somewhere between 7.5 and 8% on a 30 fixed. Mm-hmm. And values since the pandemic have spiked anywhere from 25 to 55%, depending on the neighborhood you're looking at in Central Virginia. So highest rates in a long time, highest values in a long time, and limited inventory in a very long time. How do we buy homes? I'll let you answer first because yeah. I'm a little harder at on At least this. what the... <laughs> Some of the things that are the challenges that the Hispanic community is facing, and I think we're moving in the right direction, which is positive. It's hard, but we're moving in the right direction. All the data is showing that we're going to be the leaders of home purchasings down the road. So, um, and that's not stopping. It's, it's slowing us down, but it's not stopping us from moving in the right direction. Um, but I think one of the big things that they're talking about right now, I think, and NAREP is very involved with this on a national level, is how do is, is the second. Uh, like the second mortgage market. Mm-hmm. So like most lenders sell their loans to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, things like that, right? And they have policies in place that were set in place many, many years ago that maybe don't work the same way today. Um, and one of the reasons is a lot of people today uh, not only are making more tips, but are doing their own businesses on the side, have things like Instagram, that they're, they're, they're self-employed, they're doing two jobs. So their, their, their income stream is not just paychecks, which is what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were used to back in the day, where most people were just making money off of paychecks. Like a W-2 kind like of Like a thing. W-2 type of thing, right? So things have changed, and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have not changed. Well, the, to add to that, it's the 1099, right? Because exactly. this is self-employed. Mm-hmm. This is not anything nefarious. These yeah. are legitimate businesses exactly. that they have 1099. And when, if you're a 1099 employee... It's more difficult. It is yeah. extremely yeah. difficult. Yeah. But we're Go entrepreneurial. So, and, and that's a, a, a clear blockade right there to, to home ownership. And I think if we start working towards um, you know, getting involved... Uh, at a government level, at a public policy level, and you know, to st- start seeing change in these um, policies, then lenders are going to be able to lend more money because they won't have to follow those strict rules 
that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are putting out. I also think a huge advantage, and Candice, you, you pontificate on anything you want. I mean, you, you crush it. You always crush it on this program. I think the generational um, household is going to be a very key to success for anyone moving forward where you could potentially pull resources financially in a very difficult home buying market where it's kids and parents potentially living under one roof, maybe in a bigger house, but still pulling financial resources to purchase that crib. Anywhere you want to go, uh, uh, Before you answer, I'm going to add to that. That's how we're going to get to seven. That's how Hispanics going to get to 70%. They're not afraid. They'll work together as a family. They'll save. And they understand, okay, this is temporary. Eventually, it's going to change, and then the whole family will be together in one house, and then over time, they'll stop peeling off, and we'll sell more houses. And I think they will be trendsetters, this demographic, because other um, socioeconomic demos will see this might be the path to ownership, and the Hispanics will be trendsetters in leading this charge. Amen. And I I also think that there should be... um, I feel like there should be a push as well for lending companies to offer incentives to minorities. There's already incentives in place for for uh, public officials, right? So police officers, um, healthcare workers, UVA students, you know. And because the percentage of um, not just Hispanics but blacks, all Asians, all of the minorities are so low buying homes, yeah. I feel like that should be a reason to incentivize those communities to buy homes with credits or, or things like that, just to give. To any little thing helps, right? And especially the Hispanic community that is growing at such a large pace and pushing that at a large pace. You give a couple incentives to that population, that's going to grow your business as well. You know, I, I think it, it will help everyone. Well, Virgil, that, that starts at the regulatory level, which is pretty high up the food chain. But Candace, how can we help at the local level to make that magic happen? Yeah, I love I love the word incentive and incentivization. Um, I'd say too, you know, realistically, and just being, you know, like me or not, doesn't really matter. Get down to what you really want. Do you really want to own a home? Well, you might need to go a little bit further outside of where you're currently looking. And if someone's not willing to give a little bit, then you know you th- you you throw the life vest in the water. And if someone's not willing to take it, then you know what. Take that life vest and let somebody who's willing to take it, you know, um, be reeled into the boat. So I'd say, you know, realistically, the hard and true fact is if you need X price and X size of a home with certain, you know, standards, there are there is inventory out there. No I'm doubt. telling you. All over the place. However, if, if someone's mindset is stuck with, yes, I want that, but I also want to be in walking distance to 7-Eleven, well, then you know what? Make your priorities and your goals a reality and then we can help you because there are incentives out there there are programs out there in in I always tell my clients the the individual qualifying for the loan has to you know match that product but the home itself the location the size the condition has to actually match the financial ability that the individuals have so we may have multi-generation, and I've seen this too, where um, there are multi-generational households where they go, yes, we're getting free childcare, however, I don't want to live with my parents anymore, so how can we do this? We'll go a little further out and have an accessory dwelling um, mm-hmm. if the price point matches your needs. So I think people realistically, there are resources here, there's incentivizations here, there's thankfully now loan programs for ITIN and that here. Go out there, and if you find the home that fits your needs and it's five miles up the road further than you want to go, you know what? Maybe your priorities aren't in the right place. 
And, and being honest with yourself and honest with your trusted realtor and lender and those people trying to help you, that's the only way to succeed. So that's where I think some people may not like that, but it's the reality. As professionals, we have to be honest with our clients first mm -hmm. and then exp and set the expectations and, and be honest with it. Uh, a little pivot here for a second. 13% uh, of all the uh, real estate agents right now are uh, Hispanic a loan officer Hispanic. So 13% is going to service 70%. That math doesn't work. Does not right? work. So yeah. that 13% needs to climb. No, and, that, and that's a big, especially not only for realtors, but for the lending companies as well. Well, we got uh, we got one of the best lenders watching right now, Ricardo Cruz Duran. Absolutely. He's watching the program. He says, joining, uh, what's, how do you say the acronym? NAREP. Joining NAREP Central Virginia with the standard membership can get you access to so many benefits, such as getting discounted pricing to national, regional, and local Central Virginia chapter events. You can get member-only access to education and business development events. You can get access to unique leadership opportunities, and we help you enhance your professional brand. Just this year, six Hispanics that joined NAREP were recognized in the 10th annual 2023 SP 200 ranking, 200 most powerful and influential executives in residential real estate. Join this organization and let's work together to make a difference in our community. And, and, and Ricardo is fantastic. I've met him firsthand. He is absolutely fantastic. Um, I want to throw this to the panel that's coming in the feed right here. Do you see the market? And, and I, I can't, can't count how many people are asking this question. Do you see the market changing from a rate standpoint or values becoming more affordable? I try to debunk the stigma. I do not see values dropping anytime soon. No. I want to throw it to the panel on that topic. I highlight the population increase that's coming from Amazon and the many UVA schools that are coming online with the bags of money that they're going to be coming in tow to this community. But do you guys see affordability becoming more of a reality with valuations dropping anytime soon? Well... I mean, honestly, again, I love the thought prospect of the values, but how about the values of your home? How about the values of your education of your children and your family and your wealth generation and building? How about the value of being able to let your kids go to a school? You know, I grew up around the, the D.C. area, and it was very lacking in quality education. I see that around this area in all surrounding counties, the school systems, the parks and recreation, the nonprofits, um, the businesses that offer events and, and information. You know, we're with NARAP, we're talking about getting a, a round table together to just meet and talk. Let's have coffee and talk in Spanish and help, you know, educate and learn and grow and offer it to the community. So I'd say we are in, the value is that we're already in a location where all of this is, is possible. And it's, and, and it, it's put out there for people to take advantage of. We're not in a, in a small rural location like where my family comes from, where it was like, you know, third world um, country. So just putting it out there, if you want a value and you see that opportunity, go get it. Go grasp it. And we are here to help in that. Um, pointing out what Ricardo said, too, it's only $40 a year for our Central Virginia chapter um, to be part of NARAP and to get all of this abundance of education. So I'd say look at the value proposition and your goals and your family um, wealth-building experience versus the short-term monthly payment or interest rate um, of, of a 
particular home. So Virgil, I, I would love you to take a stab at that question. Before you do that, who can join NARAP? Who, who, who can join NARAP? Anybody. So you do not have to be in the real estate space. No, you do not have do to not. be a realtor. No. Jerry can join. Yep. Anybody, Anybody can join. Anybody can join. I think it's $49 a year. It's not that much money. And what are you joining? You're joining the beginning of something that has not existed in Central Virginia, right? It's going to be a hub for the Hispanic professional. Um, focused on real estate, but it's going to be really the hub for any Hispanic professional. And if the trend is that Hispanics are going to be at the forefront of the U.S. economy, and we're already at um, the U the Hispanic GDP last year was 3.2 million uh, trillion, I think. Like we're the sixth highest GDP in the world, um, just in the U.S. Yeah, you know, so just like, Hispanics, just in the United States of America, in the United States, yeah, 3.2 trillion dollars. And that's gonna that's gonna I, what is the projection? How much is it going to increase in the next 10 years? Do you uh, have that data? On I you? do not have the next 10 years. Well, um, I can say this. If 70% 70 of it is going yeah. to be Hispanic uh, homeowners, right. going to be the first time about it, that number is just going to accelerate. S significantly. So, but but to you my do point, not have to, let's, let's debunk this. Yeah. You do not have to be Hispanic to you join. You do not have to be Hispanic I to am join. A member. But the point is that by joining this, your business, your own business is going to grow. Correct. If you're going to be part of, you want to be part of the, the fastest growing sector in the yeah. U.S. so your own business could grow regardless I'm dumb, of but it. I ain't stupid. I'm smart enough. Exactly. To, to and this is like, this that. is not, like I said in the beginning, this is not just so we all can be equal and everybody has to, this is beyond that. This is for everybody in the community to grow. This is going to grow our businesses. The, the lenders are going to grow. The local businesses are going to grow. The big businesses are going to grow. The university is going to grow. I, this is all headed into the right direction. And NAREP is going to be the hub for that professional uh, community in Central Virginia. So, and that's where you're joining. So tackle Jerry's question. How are we going to do this? Um, Inventory. Well, that's prices. not. I'm, I'm with Jerry. I don't think prices are going to come down. Yeah. And rates may continue to go up. Then they may continue to go down. But the prices are going to go up because there's no. There's still not enough houses. We're still not close. And people and, are sprinting here to live. And people want to buy. And I yeah. think it's not about. Yeah, we can kind of focus on bringing those prices down. But I think it could be more about how do we get to afford them? How do we get the population to to make? Because people are still buying. Yeah. And there's money out there. No doubt. Right. And it and just you talk about the cash buyers. It was like a, roughly a third of cash buyers in the market. I mean, you put that data out on last week. Yeah, so uh, uh, roughly uh, thirty-six percent of all of the Charlottesville single-family detached homes the last quarter was cash. I can't go into some details because we just ratified a contract, Yona and I, over this weekend. But it was let's call it in the Lake Monticello area with a six in front of yeah. it that had a had a cash. Offer on wow. the table. I can't and, go and like, into it because I don't want to jinx it. You Hispanics know are goes. growing in the home buying sector at these prices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not like they're not affording these homes. You know, they're, 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 it, they're, we're going to be in a position where we're going to be able to keep up with this little by little. So let's crystal ball this a little bit because I, I, I think by the end of 2023, beginning of 2024, we're going to start seeing rates below six. I mm -hmm. really think that. By the end of this year? 2024. Okay, by the and, end of, okay, you said and, 2023. By the end of 2024, oh, you think, I apologize. By you the think end rates of 20, are going to drop below six? I think you will see it at the end of six. I really do. But end, real tail With end, the presidential election? I think so. I think you will. I think the Fed is just going to end up having to do that. In, in, let's put rates aside, because I mm -hmm. think once rates start sliding back a little mm -hmm. bit, Inventory is just going to go nuts. We're going to go back to this craziness of of twenty twenty twenty. If we see a two to three, if we see a two to three point drop in rates, it's going to be freaking bananas. 
Mm-hmm. But because so, the media is going to latch onto it a two three percent drop yeah, in rates yeah. and put it everywhere, and then it's going to uptick the buyer demand significantly, and it could be reflective of pandemic because we've had this massive population that's been locked into rents that's looking to buy, especially young millennials and Gen Zers that are stockpiling cash now. That's that seventy two million I was talking about. That's exactly where they're at. They're literally at this you know household formation age right mm-hmm. where you're formating households and then you're going to move into into buying homes and and all that stuff but back to the hispanic buyer isn't that going to just put too much more pressure is it rate staying high good for the hispanic buyer we're resilient or? man we're resilient i don't think hey we managed to get out of our crazy countries and come here and build a family my parent, like, my, my like, grandparents left cuba before they got beheaded yeah like legitimately yeah. Like the, the the things that my family, like my family, didn't were were some that weren't able to get out of the. They they lived the commun the Castro's you know communist Cuba and, and man like if we can figure that out this is yeah the rates are gonna get like we can't let these outside forces like, like yeah they're gonna be challenges but there's always gonna be if it's not that it's gonna be something else I think it's like. Home ownership is super important in building wealth in America, and it's going to uh, push us in the right direction. And I think as long as we're focused on that and how to continue to grow, I, I'm, not, I'm not worried. I've, I feel I've like s- we're going to figure it out. I've said this before. So the first half of the 80s, Yona and I lived behind the Iron Curtain, so we were under communism for six years. I was attached to the U.S. Embassy, Yona to her, her embassy. The most capitalist people I ever know, met in my life lived on the communism. So they, they will make, they will just make it happen and, and move forward. Fear is not a four-letter word that they understand, and they also understand, you know, building generational wealth through, through home ownership is the key for it, because you came from, what couldn't you have in Cuba? Couldn't own property. Nope, right? it was given to you. Could have freedom. It was yeah. given to you, yeah. Um, Nicholas Erpe, I love you, Nicholas. A home and a job are priorities for Hispanics, providing for the family. Everything else is a luxury. He says, connecting the Hispanic economic power to the existing local business businesses only amplifies the power of the local economy in totality. 1,000% agree with that, Nicholas Erpe. Vanessa Parkhill, great point about lending criteria, Virgil. 1099 folks are entrepreneurial and deserve those same opportunities. Vanessa, you make fantastic points. So we're going to take a deeper dive into that a month from today because Ricardo is going to be here. And Ricardo is going to talk about the lending side of of that equation. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited about that conversation a month from now. Do you? Go ahead, Candice. I was going to say one of the things, too, for our listeners or viewers, people who may, you know, have a lot of employees or staff that, you know, are not currently homeowners – um, the big, the big key ticket here is understanding how to make that leap and how to get out of your comfort zone currently and get into qualifying because, uh, you know, there is a needle in the haystack where there's an investor or someone's renting a home that the owner is allowing them to do, uh, um, some type of creative financing strategy to then own that property. However, for the most part, the people who are employees and um, whatever field, if it's construction, if it's restaurants, if it's manual labor, if it's technology, whatever that is, understanding that if you if you want to um, acquire a home anywhere, there are, are steps in the process to take to do that. And there are ways to do that. And asking those questions 
I don't know, it, it seems to me that there are so many people that call us every day, all day, hey, I'm really excited, I want to see this house, I want to be a homeowner. Okay, great, well, have you talked to a lender? No, I just want to look at stuff first. Well, that's just setting yourself up for disappointment and yeah. failure. I right. mean, why would anyone want to do that? Um, so, Especially the realtors. Oh, yeah. I mean, let alone <laughs> wasting my time. Right. It's, it's making, you know, it's you're then upset and mad, and now I've just added to you being frustrated. Bingo. That's not what we're here for. So understanding where you are today, how you qualify today. You talk about getting people in homes and values and interest rates. None of that matters if you don't know what you can do. And if you can't afford what you really want now, well, let's ask, how can we get there? And let's make those steps to get there because if you change nothing in two years, you're still not going to qualify because you didn't learn those steps. So, and you just wasted all the money paying rent. Not oh, building my gosh, up e- e- yes. Equity. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are fantastic in a talk show setting. Fantastic in a talk show setting. You have takes and you back them up with facts. Um, Virgil, this is, a, this is first, let's get to Ricardo's comment. He thinks the, uh, the conflict around Israel is going to cause rates to slow down. Yeah. Uh, countries are putting their money into the U.S. bond market yeah. as their safe haven. Yeah. And he thinks that with this conflict, rates may stop increasing yeah. as long as there is not... Escalating conflict, he says. We will see. It's a, uh, that's a fine line. That is an awfully fine line. Uh, but that is kind of some of the reading I've been doing in the background on that, supporting that that comment. Um, go ahead, Candice. Our um, so we we just in um, September seventh we had our economic summit for uh, Virginia realtors, and we are just so blessed to have Lawrence Yoon so close to this area, and you know one of his children on TVA, so he comes here quite often, and we get this you know talk about your crystal ball. Um, it's as close as we can get and hope for. I think um, one of the things I think is going to be really powerful talk about home ownership, wealth management, and, and growing as well as business ownership, the commercial industry and real estate, I mean, hello, talking about, you know, finding somebody who's willing, able, and capable of having a small business or growing their business, look at the commercial opportunities that are going to be coming and and very available. Um, So now Where's the the opportunity in commercial, do you think? I think all over, but really it, it's, it's the wherewithal to have the understanding of how to get your business into that commercial space and realm. Um, like Keith said, uh, being able to know your business plan and structure before you jump into the water you know, head first, um, feel out the depth before you dive in. Um, but right now is the time for people who either have small businesses that they're just running um, like Virgil said too, you know, an Etsy shop, a landscaping service, a, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, how can you now make this um, income verification to then acquire a space, to rent a space, to have employees and all the paperwork attached to that? That's right now we need to talk to people who are interested and then the home ownership and wealth management. Follows. So that's what Ricardo is going to help us with. Ricardo, I'm giving you a heads up of what yes. you got to talk about. So uh, so every third Monday we're going to do this, right? Uh, for the foreseeable feature, uh, future, uh, we're going to sit down with the NARAP, different NARAP board members and start talking about the Hispanic community from a real estate perspective or whichever way the conversation takes us so i you know i very much so want to thank you two guys and and johnny offset here for 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 specifically sponsoring i want to thank you i think this topic matter is impactful 
I oh. think this topic matter is going to make a difference for people. Yeah. And putting this topic matter in an approachable way on social media where people live yeah. is going to change lives. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be over the top with that. Yeah. People live on their smartphones and on social media. And this is streaming all over social media. And how we're doing this is conversational and approachable. And it's not like uh, in a classroom setting that can be intimidating. I think this is going to have a serious impact, guys. Well, I really do. Well, well thank you. And, and the Catholic in me does not accept stuff like that. Who's Catholic in the room? Right? We're not supposed to yeah. do that, right? <laughs> uh, but thank you. Thank you for saying that. Which kind of segs me into something else. Um, so uh, Jerry and I are going to take a, a heavy lift and make it light on October 23rd because as of today, you know, the class action suit in our industry has started. You know, it's going to impact how we're doing our business, how we're going to help the Hispanic community, how we're going to help our clients. Uh, this is a 40-year O shift, and uh, Jerry and I are working on a show to go ahead and uh, kind of make it approachable and digestible. Um, but uh, stay tuned. That This is going to be a, a, a big He's one. He's talking about the commissions. Mm -hmm. You guys, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's talking yes. about the commissions when it comes to buyers and it comes to sellers. This is if, if I don't well, think a lot of people are following this news. Th they're not, and, and they ought to because it's, it's going to be a huge shift. I think but, another topic you should consider talking about is, is um, the, the um, Virginia realtors and how they pushed during the pandemic to allow every Virginia, every realtor in the Commonwealth to use collective, um, uh, essentially collective bargaining to get an insurance policy. Yeah. That is now being dismantled. Yeah, so are, the, you, are you following that? You're yeah. following that news? That's going to have an impact on the industry big time because basically um, the Supreme Court has said that they don't think you guys are running businesses, which I think is absolutely bogus. Did yeah. you see, are you guys following this? Yeah. I have not seen that, that one. You should I literally dig into this yeah. because this could change how you guys are insured so as what, professionals. The, the, so there's a bunch of questions we have to ask about that. How many real estate agents actually use it, mm -hmm. so forth and so on. But the basics of it is is that, uh, that we were allowed and you know our associations were, were, were spearheading this. We were allowed to create a group. Right, so we the, the the association realizes is the largest trade organization by volume of people um, in the United States. So we were allowed to do that. Now it's starting to get walked walked back a little bit. Um, this is a difficult topic for me because I, I'm in the VA vet, veteran. I'm a disabled veteran, so the VA pays for all my medical things. But it, it impacts Yona big time because um, she, uh, you know, at a certain age, it's a little expensive. I'd say, too, I, I think of Denise all the time. I yeah, love Denise, Denise Ramey. Ramey. But, I mean, really, RPAC and Neil and the, the ability for any professional to take a understanding and um, stance in a pack to better their own industry is tremendous. And it's not... It's not you know, letter-based at all. It's on what are the outcomes, what's the situation we're facing now as realtors, and how is the outcome beneficial or problematic? And I tell you what, when we go on Day of the Hill, this Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors and our surrounding... By far. We, oh, oh, man. You bring we it. like... Yeah. Oh, we just usually, take Usually over. the largest, they the smallest... They know us when we come uh, Absolutely. <laughs> so, so we're going to take it... I'm going to take a deeper dive into that, but I want to bring the experts like Denise. Denise was instrumental... Uh, oh, and making huge. making that happen, and Neil, and kind of get two experts in here, so it's just not me, you know. 
And also, I want to say, too, I know Woody comes on the show all the time. I Woody's love Woody's watching and Neil is yes, watching. Yes, I love them both. Um, I mean, looking at the, the appraisals, the, the, the information I found and learned about a valuable, tremendously valuable part of being a realtor and getting a home valuation across the finish line and underwriting with Ricardo and that, you know, understanding and seeing the trends of where the appraisal process is going and how their business is impacted in the restrictions and stipulations and, and protocol. So, you know, realtors, I, I, the statistic is old. It, it may need updated a little bit, but for every two homes sold, a job is created because we have um, American Pest or the pest control people, we have the appraisers, we have contractors, we have HVAC and electrical. All the trades we're talking about needing hands in, edu in, in educated, experienced people to work for us and our clients. The realtor is really instrumental in keeping all of those industries communicating and on time. And closing the deal. Word. And this is where Keith Smith says, number two in the Commonwealth of Virginia, realtors for economic impact. Mm -hmm. Realtors. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what you were going to say right there? I'm just going to show that. That's literally what he was going to say right there. We spent a lot and of what else was going to say after that? He was going to say, you've got to stop finishing my sentences. No, I was not going to say, say, well. say that. <laughs> We're 20, a national domestic, gross domestic product, our industry accounts for 20% of that. That's from good to good. Doctor, Lisa Doc Servant. Doc Servant. Of Bright. Of Bright. So look, we're at 11.34. And I got 11.45. And, and he's which got is a, in eight minutes. He's got an appointment. I'm, I'm actually prepping for it while doing the show. Yeah, yeah, multitasking. So I want to thank you. More importantly, thank Johnny Sitton Offset for sponsoring this. Otherwise, without their help, this and is his important. Family, what you're doing here, his ham family's help, we couldn't be doing this. We're going to be sitting here uh, once a month and talking about it until somebody drags me off this this set. Um, Probably Mrs. Smith will be the one that does that. But in any event... That's not happening anytime soon. Not anytime and I think soon. you two are in the catbird seat when it comes to success um, with realtors. You know, the average age in car, I think, is what, 57, 58? I think it's you, 57. You guys are way younger than that. And you've got a significant, significant niche with Hispanic buyers on the horizon. I seriously think you guys are primed for big-time success. I sincerely mean that. You've got a call uh, in 10 minutes. I have a call in six minutes. Thank you, guys. Um, Judah Wickhauer, Johnny Ornalis, Virgil and Candace, Keith Smith. This is Real Talk with Keith Smith, archived online at realtalkwithkeithsmith.com. Guys, we'll have some more breaking news on the I Love Seville show in 54 minutes at 1230 p.m. Thank you kindly for joining us. So long, everybody. Thanks, Thanks. guys. Thank you. It was amazing. Amazing, amazing. amazing. Thank you, guys. We're gonna grab